Hi, I'm Kaya Savas here. Welcome to another All Access. I'm here with composer Natalie Halt. Natalie, thank you so much for taking the time to chat today. It's so great to meet you. Great to meet you too. Thank you for having me. <laughs> Absolutely. So let's just uh, dive in. I'd love to, you know, before we get, you know, we'll dive into Loki, of course, but I, I do want to talk about kind of, you know, you know, kind of your origin story. I'm curious, going back into childhood and your younger years, what were, what were the first memories you have of when music started entering your life? And when did this turn from a hobby into, or hobby and a passion into an actual career? Um, well, so my, um, my mom and was a music teacher. And oh, there you go. <laughs> yeah, she was like teaching cello and piano. And um, so there was always like lots of music going on in the house. And, you know, I think just having access to instruments is really important for kids as well, because I can remember just messing around on the piano and making up tunes and stuff. So, yeah, yeah. that's kind and of. And then, but then actually, I mean, what really got me interested in film music was um, watching E.T. when I was. Five. Oh, yeah, <laughs> I mean, that's still the moment when I, I always go to the Hollywood Bowl just to see John Williams and just when I just pour out crying when he when he does that live to picture, you know, especially that final act, he'll do the whole 20 minutes and it's like, okay. Oh my God, it's so good. Like where they take off on their bikes and, you know. Oh yeah, it's, I think one of my favorite scores of all time. Like I know he, yeah, somebody, me I mean, it's just beautiful. So when did, uh, did you always set out to, you wanted to make this a career and uh, how, how did, what were kind of the first steps you had I guess getting your foot in the door, so to speak. I, did, I think I didn't really know that it was a career. I, did, I just knew that I loved film music, but I didn't sort of think of it as a job because, you know, right. like, I, I went to a really ordinary school and you have like a careers advisor and they, when you're 16, they're like, oh, you could be a teacher or a fireman or, you know, like more yeah, obvious. Exactly. And it was like the 90s. So, um, you know, the, the access to, the internet was limited <laughs> it was it was dial up with that uh, you know like oh maybe it wasn't even then I was a bit later I don't know but so it's like the research into into knowing what jobs are out there was is it was like harder to kind of get a grasp of um and then when I was I I had a boyfriend who was a runner at Abbey Road um and he just like said oh you should come in and and hear uh, a session so I went in and I saw um, Trevor Jones recording League of Extraordinary Gentlemen I think I was like 17 at the time or something oh wow and then that then that I was kind of like oh I want to do that yeah <laughs> and, and then I I kind of I did I went to study violin at music college but um I, I was talking to people and I was like where do you how can you study film composing and then he said oh you could my, my composition teacher said you could do a course at film school um so then I applied to the National Film and Television School. I did a master's there and yeah, that's kind of how it all kicked off. <laughs> wow, but I, I know early in your career, you had a, like a, a, you were, had a working relationship with uh, Elon Ashkari and you worked on a lot of his scores. Was that like a, a good training ground for you to kind of get a feel for everything? Yeah, definitely. It, it just, he, you know, I remember working on Stardust. Um, I was like 20 or something. And yeah, it's just like seeing that enormous scale project with a huge orchestra I was like oh my god um and and just like prepping scores and you know being around the process is just really helpful like I always say that to students if I'm doing lectures or stuff something like just be an assistant for a while and see how it, how it works because and and also like how to hold a meeting yeah it's, it's so much more it's so much more than just being able to write 
music as well. It's like, there's just so many facets to the job. I know you, I mean, you essentially become a businesswoman because you have to, you're run. you're, you're the brand itself and you're managing a business and, and film is a business and television is a business as well. And, yeah. and I think, and yeah, it's not, and they don't really teach you that in school. I know in film school, they didn't <laughs> teach me much about <laughs> they, they teach you how to hold the camera and everything, but to work in a studio or any kind of like, you know, big, big environment, that's not never really taught. <laughs> yeah. And also I would say like, there's other jobs. There's like music editing is such a growth job. I think I see so many like people just like, we need a music editor and there's not enough of them around. And it's like, it's a really creative, satisfying job um that I don't even think I don't know I'm sure people are, are getting more and more aware of it but I, I certainly didn't didn't know that that was a thing till yeah and they don't get I think they don't get the spotlight as much as they deserve because they do so much and they are such an integral part of the music team I just interviewed Warren Balfe you know we we're talking about Topka and he just credited music editors for his scores to ambulance and all these things he was just like it's you know they're the their stars really sometimes when it comes down to like the crazy when it gets chaotic and things need to be put together yeah <laughs> Yeah, you just hand over your stems and then you, yeah, sometimes you just see like, whoa, they've made that cue totally different. Just they've like tweaked the stems and taken something out and moved it around and, you know, they've made it work to picture. Because yeah. sometimes on a feature, you're like receiving two, two picture changes a week, like updates and the right. things just constantly evolving and you're kind of chasing picture the whole time and so something that you've composed two weeks ago specifically to picture will suddenly just be completely off um you know and, and the music editor is just yeah helping you stay ahead of that whole kind of crazy run <laughs> chase with picture as well yeah <laughs> absolutely so you've you worked on a lot of uh, television series you know both in the UK and of course in America and and I'm curious uh and you've worked in you know on both sides across the pond and I'm curious, is there any difference? Have you noticed in the way, you know, maybe like English productions work versus American productions? Is it, have you noticed any difference, at least from your perspective on working on different ones? Well, I think there's just, there's the cultural, um, you know, we are your kind of like grumpy, you know, we, we're like, we don't have that kind of sunshine attitude that, you, you know, you come, to, you come into a meeting in LA and it just, um, I think people are, more positive like that sounds really stupid but um in LA yeah <laughs> okay <laughs> and, and I'll invite you to some meetings at Cartoon Network we'll see <laughs> where I work maybe um I'm, I don't know but I, I do feel like there is just there's LA is just everyone here is in the business it's like a town about one thing isn't it like yeah it is uh, yeah it's got one note and it's film and and um you know, that's kind of incredible. And I love it. Like I was at an alliance of um, female composers uh, yesterday for brunch thing. And yeah, it's I saw, just yeah, yeah. All, these, all these women coming together and, and making a community out of what we all do. And there's like support groups for things and, you know, composer brunches and breakfasts and people just want to get, get together and chat and support each other. And um, I definitely think that's much easier to do when, when everyone's here. Because you know, more spread out, and you know that has its it, it has its positives and minuses. It's you know, like you have just more of a diverse sort of group of people, I guess, gathering in London. But um, yeah, I I love both things. I, I, it's it's hard to sort of say um, 
which I, which I prefer. Which <laughs> no, yeah, no, I agree with you because and I, I actually was, I was in LA for 11 years and actually just moved last year back to the East coast. I'm in the DC area now. And, and I do, they, there is a community there and there is like that, that, you know, everyone's together and they're all kind of, we're all in the same boat. And I do miss that supportive community and I'm still part of it virtually, but it's still like to be there and yeah, to go to like, you know, brunches and get together and talk and, it, it is a great support system. And I think it, it lets you know that you're not doing it all by yourself because it can be really stressful, of course, from time to time. Yeah. <laughs> For sure. So uh, speaking, I just want to maybe jump into your you know, general process before we jump into Loki. And I always love to ask composers the same question. And that is, where does the first note come from? And I know that's going to be different from project to project, but I'm curious just on your general workflow, where do you usually kind of go to to find that first idea, to pull that first kind of thing out of your head? Do you like to, you know, read the script if you're lucky enough to be on that early? Do you like to sit with the director? Do you like to wait for the first lock picture? I mean, what's kind of your process in terms of starting to build out a score and kind of getting that first note out? Um, I think it, it's really variable on job to job because some sometimes you're brought in and the thing's already shot, so you're able right. to see see something more advanced and you know if you're reading a script and you don't know who's in it and you're just piece you there's so much mystery in it and it's like yeah. I've, I've I've been I've got it so wrong like I've read a script and what's this and then you know it's turned into something amazing or vice versa <laughs> um and then in terms of yeah, it's, it's, I don't know. Yeah, sometimes I'll read a script and I'll just really connect with the story and have lots of ideas as I'm reading. And then, um, you know, Loki was was different because so much of Tom existed, like his yes, performance yeah. already existed. And I could like, I was reading that script with almost like a much more advanced sort of notion of what it was gonna be and what his character was. So that was like a real head start. And, you know, like we, we, we did this panel yesterday um, for, for the Loki and we were all just saying, it's like, just so appreciate it from, you look back in, it's quite, it's quite a while ago now that we were working on it, but it's kind of like, God, there so many good things about that show and, and the process. And it just like, so many things felt like they clicked in a, in a way that you, a few jobs that, where that doesn't happen and you kind of realize how special it was like just a lot of things aligned on on that score and in that job with those relationships absolutely so you got to work with michael waldron who is the showrunner of the of the series so i'm curious when you were when you first got hired and you started to work on it what were those first conversations about musically what were the you know, and we talk about how Loki has been an established character, especially in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, and he's been in films, he's been the main villain, he's been a supporting character. So I'm curious, what was the starting point for, for this series? Well, um, I very, I didn't meet Michael, actually, because um, he wasn't, he was off, I think he was doing Doctor Strange. So oh, the that's post, right, he did write on that, yeah. Yeah, the post was very much, um, he, he was more on the front end, I think, and Kate Heron, the director, was really um, my, you know, guide. My, my guide for the score. Um, she, I mean, she was the director, and she just had such a strong vision for the for the score. And um, so, yeah, it was really me and her working working together on that. And um, she just had she'd done a pitch document to win the job herself, and there was music in there and references and and. 
weirdly a lot of them aligned with the ones that I kind of came to as well um so that was really cool we have quite a similar taste in music so it was really fun working with her just like very supportive and creative and yeah it was great and I, I love the kind of unique uh, kind of tone and atmosphere of the show as well. And I think the score, your score does such a fantastic job of not only enhancing the performances and kind of building out that soundscape. Is it, is it like a trial and process for you to, I mean, or for on any project to like find that tone, that specific tone to make sure that it, you're hitting the emotional beats, you're making sure that the characters are well represented. Like, did you, was it a, a tricky thing for Loki to find it or was it kind of obvious kind of right off the bat? Well, so, um, uh, Marvel do a thing where they encourage composers to write a suite mm. before they start. So um, I had to do like a <laughs> kind of roadmap for like all the different character themes and um, like, so I knew what the Kang theme was, what the TVA theme was, because it was connected to his theme, Loki, Mobius, Sylvie. Um, like I had all those, temp poles as you like like already right. <laughs> so then when I watch the scene like this doesn't always happen at all like you can come up with a with a suite and then you watch the film you're like oh god this this doesn't go at all I need to do something else but <laughs> like um luckily like that suite really stuck like it's all in there like it it and, and it was kind of like I'd watch a scene and be like oh that needs to be um the Mobius and the Loki theme together in this scene and needs to do this. And, you know, this, this, this needs to be a slower version of this theme or like, you know, it was just, right. yeah, I kind of watched it and I watched, I would always watch an episode through and spot it with Kate and she chat through the logic of every episode. And the music editors had already um, had my suite before as well. So they'd often tempt in quite a lot of it into the rough cut that I was watching. Oh, wow. So that was quite handy as well. Yeah. So so Loki is unique in that it's, you know, I feel like it, we're just talking about the difference between, I think, uh, British and English or American television. And I think one thing that I think, uh, you know, British television has always gotten great is that they keep their seasons or series as short, you know, whereas in America, we have these, you know, network TV shows can be 24 episodes a, se a season. And whereas Loki, we did, had some nice six episode arc so were you, did you kind of know the whole arc before you started working on it or were you just kind of getting episode by episode in terms of production? No, I, I um, again, like <clears throat> Loki had lockdown, Loki lockdown in the middle of it. So um, it was, this filming was halted and yeah. Um, so we got to sit, like they shot some of one and two and three, I think. Um, because they didn't shoot linear either they shot all sorts of like they kind of right. dotted around and so yeah we, it was like we were working on all the episodes at the same time and Kate always said like I want this to feel like a movie like a sort of six hour a big movie. six hour movie yeah well not so what, stop. Six hours, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so that so kind of working at the same time did that make it easier to write those suites and kind of structure out how these themes are supposed to kind of play out through the whole whole season um yes definitely yeah I think I think it's much easier working in that way like having having that sort of eagle eye view of things and also just I really like the fact that we we always watched in a run we'd watch like we wouldn't review cue by cue we'd watch it sort of 
through and then chat through like it wasn't it wasn't just ever isolated it was always contextualized and I think that's that's really helpful in building out a score with themes and you know giving because you might hear something and oh this, this is weird but like then you step back and watch it in context and sort of makes more sense I don't know <laughs> no yeah absolutely yeah. and uh, I love I mean you're mentioning a lot of the themes you were doing is there any specific theme that was like a personal favorite of yours or was there someone that was maybe harder to crack and try to find well, the hardest one was the love theme I wrote um that was just so hard to know which note to hit with that because you know he's falling in love with himself kind of his you know <laughs> is that and then you know you know what's going to happen in episode six and is it love and what is it and and um I think for Loki it feels like it is the biggest feeling of love he's ever had experienced so it was quite and, and he's such a big bombastic character that it felt like it needed to be quite grand so it was I, it, I think it was experimenting with this how big to push it I guess yeah the, the moment when they're kind of sitting on that they nearly kiss and lamentous and yeah it, it, it was kind of that was that was one of the more challenging ones and, and the easiest one was the Loki theme like I came up with that I read the script and sat down on the piano and just it was there like that seemed to be obvious that his he needed like this sort of low end or quite classical um and, and yeah I was and I wanted to put like a classical flourish in it so I started off with a Mozart kind of riff over the top which yeah. then evolved into that Wagner you know the from the ride of the Valkyries so um yeah I don't know it all just, it's just kind of happened <laughs> <laughs> and uh, uh so at the end do you, do you kind of know how, how much music was kind of per episode do you remember how much was like in each hour of television or almost hour of television like the ratio of how much score ended up being in each episode was it a lot it was some it was variable and like each episode had its own character as well I think and um I think episode two probably had the least score um so I was like wind chimes on the patio that are just and it's like suddenly a gust of can you hear that a little bit it's all right though <laughs> <laughs> it adds a nice kind of angelic quality to the whole chat yeah, it's, like, oh. <laughs> it's very zen <laughs> yes <laughs> but what I, I i just i, I was just asking because i love the the fact that disney i love that disney now kind of does these volumes where you can incorporate multiple episodes per album so it must have been nice to have like a two albums to do a soundtracks for at least whereas you know in most shows you have to like pick and choose and condense everything until to represent a whole season and you know less than 80 minutes or something but i love that you're able to spread them out and have like one through three and three through six and that must have been nice to give some breath and showcase some of more of your music on the soundtrack album <laughs> you know i loved putting that soundtrack album together it was really fun so yeah it was a great experience yeah so uh, just piggybacking on that, what is that process like? Is it difficult as a composer to, because of course not everything can fit, but is it difficult to make an album? Are you focused on the listening experience? Are you focusing on like what goes through your head when you're trying to put together an album? It doesn't even have to be just for Loki, but in general, like. <laughs> well, there's a weird thing I found on um, Spotify. I don't know why they seem to like compress it a bit because I, we've mastered it and mixed it and, you, I, I, I always, I think like what actually goes into the score, 
you need to adjust it a bit to make it more listenable to on an album when it's not to the picture. So there was like a cut down kind of editing process and like a little rebalancing of things. And like I spent a good chunk of time on that, um, on those soundtrack albums. And then, yeah, and then I listened to them on Spotify and I was like, what is this? It sounds totally like the top of it sounded kind of compressed. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. But it's it's fine, but it's not. It doesn't totally reflect how I mixed it, like what I was listening to in the mix. But well, hopefully, I think we're releasing an album, a vinyl uh, of it. So hopefully, oh, that's a bit more reflective of the, the yeah. final mastering mix. Yeah, I, I use I definitely I use Apple Music. I love that they have lossless now. I think Spotify is supposed to do lossless sometime, but I think Apple you can do a hard connection and get at least a lossless mix then versus the compressed, you know. <laughs> For sure. And um, so uh, with with Loki, uh, were there any uh, specific like sequences or set pieces? We talked about kind of favorite themes or anything, but are there any scenes or or moments that really kind of stood out to you that were really fun to write for? Were there anything that was, you mentioned like the love theme was kind of challenging, but was there any scenes that were maybe tricky just the way they were shot or edited? Or was there anything that was kind of tricky versus something that was really fun and rewarding for you? Um. <laughs> I really I have to say like it was really fun doing those uh big like end credit sequences because oh yeah yeah sometimes you're like not you know you don't even get a chance to kind of do anything for those for the um you know like the what recap like the recap I wrote a specific piece for the recap which I really I was really pleased with um and I think it's quite cool to have that like here's a recap music rather than yeah, just yeah. a mishmash. Um, so I was quite pleased with that. And um, uh, I think I think my favorite one of my favorite cues was in um, episode five where um, Loki hands down the sword to young Loki. They're standing out looking at the um, at the monster, and that piece just is like they're preparing to go to battle, and you know Richard E. Grant sort of like off and and he says goodbye to Mobius and I just yeah that scene I, I feel like I got all the kind of character themes in there and it, it had like lots of emotion and 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 then Louis Desposito rang me like he after he watched that one and he was like I was crying in that scene it was so powerful and I was like oh yes yes <laughs> that's, I mean, that's what you want to hear yeah. as a composer <laughs> yeah it's nice to get that phone call as well and yeah I was I think that's probably my proudest scene yeah <laughs> um so just kind of I mean I was just talking about Loki Loki is just a fantastic accomplishment I want to congratulate you on on the series I mean and it just like you know splashed and made waves across the board and then your soundtrack is your score is just absolutely uh, fantastic but it kind of uh, I want to zoom out a little bit um and talk kind of in general process you know as a as a composer I'm curious you know, you've worked with so many different directors and producers over your career. And I'm, I'm curious, as a composer, what kind of filmmaker uh, or director is the kind of best that helps you to do your, to, for you to do your job? Do you prefer somebody that is super, you know, clear and succinct and tell you every kind of which way to go? Do you like someone that kind of lets you to be on your own so you can experiment and, and do things? Or do you like to find a middle ground that where you have a balanced amount of really kind of clear direction, but also space to explore and kind of fool around and do stuff like that well I, I i genuinely feel that like the just the alchemy of the mixture of people and the process 
on Loki. Like I just felt really like oh, I've delivered something I'm really proud of here. And I've, I was able, like my vision was supported and I, I didn't feel like I was squashed in any way. And right. I think that was because of Kate, um, cause she just had a kind of enthusiasm and, you know, you know, when you're sending people, I've got to got this idea, like, what do you think of this? And then she's like, oh, that was awesome. Like, you know, that's the kind of response. And you're like, you feel, oh, cool. I'll carry on then. And you feel kind of positively motivated. Um, but then there was also a very kind of like regimented, because I need a bit of this like structure of yeah. you, you need to do this by this date and we're having a weekly review every Wednesday and everyone will be on the review. And so there was like enough sort of regiment in the structure of delivery, but freedom in the creative process mm. that I'm like, that was awesome. I need to do that more. And, you know, I, I really don't do well with micromanaging stuff like yeah, when it gets yeah. into the weeds or, or when I give someone an idea and they're like yeah oh well yeah that's cool uh, I like that bit like the bit underneath and maybe you could develop that bit and it's like I haven't handed this over to you because I didn't think it was good like it's it's like when when you you know yeah and that's just the artistic connection with someone isn't it yeah but absolutely when it, when it feels like what you're delivering isn't hitting the right connection with someone and then it's a struggle to get onto what they want that that's it's difficult but you know some of those jobs where you have a struggle you're like you come away and you're like wow I've really pushed myself and done something I wouldn't have initially thought to do so sometimes it can work and then sometimes obviously you know it doesn't <laughs> yeah 100 do you ever get nervous like submitting stuff or like the first time to a director to, to hear does it is it nerve-wracking for you do you feel like vulnerable sending your music out or is it more like you're just <laughs> eager to get feedback <laughs> yeah i i don't know I, I always try and oh one of the martin phipps who i um oh yes i assisted him for ages he's just the loveliest guy and he's very careful he's 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 just like really good counterbalance from you know we, we work together really nicely but he he just said like because I, I write quite fast mm -hmm. and I, I I kind of hear something in a piece but I might send it off I might be like excited about it and so I'll send it off maybe a bit earlier than I should <laughs> and um Martin's always just like just send less and make sure that what you're sending you think is the best it could be like you think you don't ever send anything off that you're like no I'm not sure about this but I'll send it off anyway he's just, he's always just like make sure at least what you're sending you think is good the best so I think yeah. that's good advice. yeah no yeah that is great advice that's <laughs> absolutely I think sometimes if you like send off like huge amounts of music to a director like I've come up with this these 15 ideas what do you think it's almost like the directors you're going to confuse them because yeah. you're, you're meant to be the head of your department you're meant to be filtering those ideas like don't ever send so many ideas to the director because that's kind of your job is to decide which one of those 15 ideas is the best it's not the director's job I think <laughs> absolutely I think I mean composers need to consider themselves uh, filmmakers and storytellers as well and you know you're yeah helping you know you're, yes you're helping realize you know other people's visions but you're also part of that vision as well so I think it's uh, important to you know 
you know, take pride in that you're helping tell the story the best way possible, not just be like, here's a, you know, buffet line, just pick whatever you want. And, you know, yeah. <laughs> um, so there is, uh, before we wrap up, there is one project I know that is coming up that, uh, you know, people are talking about. It's a small little series called Obi-Wan Kenobi, and I know you're doing the score for it. I know we can't talk about it too much into, de into detail. You know, we don't want to do any spoilers. You know, people need to experience this on their own, but I'm curious, what was it like, you know, from your point of view, when you got to do, you know, hired for this project, and especially the fact that John Williams is contributing some music that you're working with as well? What were kind of the emotions that you were going through, and and is there anything we can uh, that you can talk about that we can look forward to? <laughs> well, I think like John's theme is just so beautiful. Like, I, and you know, it's got it's it's different. I think it's really emotional, and um, yeah, it doesn't feel. It feels like it's kind of a developed John Williams, like, you know, it's something that I don't think he would have done earlier on in the in the early Star Wars canon. So I think yeah. it's, it's people can like, yeah, it's something different for him, I think. And um, yeah, it's just- What I, was it I, like? I mean, we just talked about earlier how E.T. is your favorite score. I mean, you must've been like fangirling out, you know, <laughs> you know, getting like, oh, there's a piece. Like, it was so overwhelming. Like yeah. there were just moments where I was like, oh my God, I'm like in LA at the Fox scoring, the Newman scoring stage with all these musicians who were John Williams, they're John Williams's crew and they're all playing for me. And it's like, this is just insane. Like really insane. But you know, luckily it was, it was quite a tight deadline. It was, it was yeah. quite a quick, it was a quite a quick job. So it was like, I didn't have too much time to sit and panic <laughs> it's like <laughs> come on just get on with it but um it was it was just awesome like I just feel like so I just you know what a gift to be able to um to get to work on a Star Wars project with John Williams it's just bonkers I'm, I'm so thrilled but it's it's because of Loki like I really feel that Loki um changed my life you know <laughs> yeah I think so yeah I mean Absolutely. And it's such a well-deserved as well. So I can't wait to, to hear what you do with Obi-Wan. And I, I hope we can do this again in the future. Some other time we can delve into that more into detail. But and, but before we wrap up, I, I want to just ask just a few fun questions, you know, maybe not music related, because I always like to, you know, know composers as a person. So I'm curious, like when you're not doing work, when you're not doing music, was what, what are some fun hobbies that you like to do to help you relax, to refresh, to kind of reset the mind? Do you do anything to help you creatively reset between projects or do you if you have those gaps between projects which is probably not too often but. <laughs> well yeah no I, I think I love going to concerts and seeing um seeing different musicians and I, like often like on Loki I pulled in like a theremin player who I'd done a project with and 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 this um Scandinavian folk trio who who I'd heard in a concert a few years before and I was like just you know it's kind of cool I like having being inspired and finding unusual instruments and having them in, in the memory bank to pull yeah. out yeah and, and making connections with musicians because you know you're only as good as the musicians playing your score I think as well like it, it adds so much like just one note on that theremin it's it's kind of it gives such a vibe that it's you know yeah it's gold so I, yeah finding interesting concerts to go to and like and just yeah I've got a seven-year-old so just hanging out with her <laughs> trying, trying <not> to... 
Is she taking, is she following in footsteps? Is she following in the musical footsteps? <laughs> yeah, she's learning um, piano violin. She will not let me help her practice. She's just like, no, leave me alone. Like that doesn't go too well. So it's hard when you have a skill you want to teach your kid, but they just have no interest in. Well, maybe in when they're a little older and they can see what, you know, mom is doing <laughs> for work <laughs> and real realize what the weight of that is. <laughs> <laughs> and uh one, one other... <laughs> <So> that's cool <laughs> and uh if you could choose any other job on a film set whether it's behind the camera or in front of the camera just to try for a day just to test it out what's one that kind of speaks to you would it be like acting cinematography writing stunt person you know <laughs> I'm I always love the whole process like when I went to film school in the first year we did like quite a lot of cross-curricular um exercises so I did get a chance to direct and write and I, I'm not very good with the camera like that you know it's so technical and like yeah that, that was a bit of a like it's quite mathematical actually like the light and oh yeah well, so what cinematographers camera. do with light is like it's magic and it's so precise but it's it's insane yeah yeah, I'm like, I, and then they start chatting about, uh, you know, shutter speed, wherever the hell they're talking about. I'm like, whoa, that's just too, I, yeah, I switch off a bit. But writing, like writer's rooms, I love that. I think that's super cool, like throwing yeah. story ideas around. And I did actually act in a short film at film school as oh. well. <laughs> it was like, I was playing um, a monster um, and I had a really bad cold and I was like in this huge suit. And I was just like lying, I just like, oh, like it was in, we were shooting in the forest and it was winter and I had the streaming cold. I just felt so ill and freezing. And I was like, oh man, being an actor really sucks. <laughs> uh, being an actor in a student film too, because I, I know from experience, all my student films took place in the woods because you can get, you know, there's no permits. So you don't have to pay anyone. <laughs> I definitely sent a few of my, actually I did send a few of my friends to the hospital, one person. Cut their, oh, knee no. and, cut their knee and somebody else got uh, dehydrated from hypothermia because we were out there in the cold right so yeah, yeah so I've, I've been through all that but yeah <laughs> well Natalie I wanted to thank you so much for taking the time to chat today it was such a pleasure to to hear your process and then and, and hear all about Loki and, and get a little tease of what's coming up for Obi-Wan so thank you so much and I hopefully we get to do this again and break down all your wonderful work in Obi-Wan and whatever comes next as well. So thank you so much. Oh, so kind of you. Thank you for having me.